the record button. Have we started? We have started. So this is the Meat for Tea cast. It might always start like that. Who knows? Hello. Hello. This is Elizabeth McDuffie. This is Mark Allen Miller. And welcome to episode 20, the season finale. Season one. Of season one. And we are going out with a bang. Oh, yeah. With a lovely chat I had with the illustrious, multi-talented, and very prolific Michael Rothenberg, who has many credits to his name. Among them, he spearheaded a global movement. 100,000 poets, artists, and musicians for change. And that movement is coming into its 10th anniversary. At the end of September will be the 10th anniversary. We've been involved with that every All year, 10 years. Except for one, right? I missed one year because I was really, really um, in hospital sick. Yeah, I mean, I think you can get a pass for that. I hope. Oh, yeah, I think so. But otherwise, we've been doing it every single year. I remember... It coming up in my email and being honored to be asked and doing the first event at what was White Square Fine Books and now Book Moon. Now Book Moon. Order from them online. I don't know if they're open for business, but they are open for online ordering. They're also I doing curbside pickup, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, you can then, order your books yeah. and pick them up by the curb. So that's in East Hampton, Massachusetts. For those of you who are listening, Cottage Street. In the cultural district. So Michael Rothenberg, in addition to spearheading this huge global movement, and it's, you'll hear as you listen to the podcast, it's amazing what he did. This this thing is happening in hundreds of countries, thousands of cities all over the world. No, it's, it's, it's gigantic. And, and even when it, the first year it started, it was big, and then it just got bigger. And bigger. And bigger. But he is also Florida State University Library's poet in residence, and he's co-founder of Big Bridge Press, who have published, among other luminaries, Allen Ginsberg. Don't know if you've heard of him. Who? <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. So, um, this is our season finale, and. We're going to take a little break because we have a lot to do. We've got a lot coming up, don't we? We're doing a big double issue of Meat for Tea. We're going to be releasing that on September 5th. That's the Passion Fruit and Black Current issues. Big double issue, everybody. Big double issue. Um, the, the kind of double issue with two front covers. One upside down from the other, half the contents upside down, so you flip it around to read it. Yes, it's going to be fancy. And because we skipped an issue and we're doing this double issue, we also skipped a Cirque, and we're still not able to do a physical Cirque. We really don't feel cool about encouraging a bunch of people to assemble in a space. (laughs) So we are doing a virtual Cirque, but the cool thing about that is we've been able to invite some spoken word artists and other people who don't live close enough to actually come read at a Cirque. So we've got a reading, for instance, from 
writer and baker extraordinaire Ian Pritchard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who's all the way out in the left coast in Los Angeles County. So we're going to be putting this up as a live stream mm-hmm. on September 5th, which would have been the actual physical Cirque date. Uh, probably on YouTube and our Facebook page and possibly other places. Go to the Meat for Tea page on Facebook for more information as we know what we're going to do. We're There's an event that. listing. But we're going to update that information as we come along closer to that date. But it yeah. will be a, a multimedia extravaganza. We've got tons of musicians, spoken word, and we short films and music bigger videos. stars. We have Beach Honey. Original Cowards. Original Cowards. Ton, tons of music. And, and we have Una Poe, darling. <laughs> you, know, you got to check her out. We've got Steve Schmeltz, formerly of Curious Buddies. I know a lot of you are Curious Buddies fans. We could we could probably spend the rest of the podcast just talking about who we have for this. Yeah. But more importantly is people just go to the Meat for Tea Facebook page and stay tuned. We're going to announce more as more gets. There's a separate event listing, so you'll see that. This, um, it would be important to say this is partially in memory of talented young Philip Cena who died far too soon leaving behind a lot of very heartbroken friends but also a legacy just of his massive intellect and literary appreciation musical appreciation art appreciation very talented so this is A La Memoire de Philippe Un Cirque Virtual that is what it is called. You can find it under that listing. And um, some of the readings you will hear are by friends who love him and have left their memories. So this is offering up our respects yeah. to this bright light that was extinguished far too soon. So when Meat for Tea returns after all of this... Look for us September 12th. I think that's going to be the next episode, season two. Season two, episode one. Of the Meat for Tea cast. September 12th. And if you want to find out what we're doing, you're just going to have to tune in. (laughs) It's going to be a surprise, but it's going to be a good one. In the meantime, though, this episode, we have Michael Rothenberg in conversation with you, and apparently it's quite a treat. It is a treat. And after the conversation, too, we have something special from him. Mm-hmm. It's a release from a record that he recorded and released actually this year on Tribal Records. The album is called Dystopic Relapse. And we have a track from him that we're featuring at the end of the episode. What's the name of the track? <laughs> it's called Incarceration of the Orange Bartender. I wish it was Incarceration of the Orange President. I have a sneaking suspicion that that's not completely... Not unrelated? Unrelated. Mm. I don't want to make assumptions about the artist's intent, but it seems timely. It's cool stuff. He's he's um, layering on spoken word poetry with some session musicians who've played with some people you've probably heard of, like Sun, Sun Ra. Ra. <laughs> and I think like... Marsalis, one of the Marsalis family. Yeah, there's some real luminaries. Someone who played with John Fogarty. It's not the smallest potatoes in the musical scene. 
it's pretty significant. Let's put it that way. So you definitely want to stick around for that. That's our our bonus musical feature for this podcast is is uh, Michael Rothenberg and his musical associates. Also, in this double issue of Meat for Tea, there will be some of Michael Rothenberg's poetry. So you're probably going to want to pick that up. You're going to want to pick that up. <laughs> it's a special double issue. This isn't just like your standard meat for tea. This thing is thick. It's going to be huge. It's, it's going to cost a million dollars to print. We don't even know how we're going to afford it. It's going to cost us an arm and a leg. If you want to send money to the podcast, you may please do so. This is actually a good point to mention that we do have a donate page on meatfortea.com. You can also donate through anchor.fm mm-hmm. forward slash meatfortea. We have a donate button there. Please rate and review us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or any other place you can rate this. Every little bit helps. We're a little broke right now. We're in a little tiny Airbnb, and we've got a little dorm fridge, and it doesn't make ice, and I wanted ice, so we bought a countertop ice maker so I wouldn't suffer (laughs) from lack of ice. You know, it's hot enough. Ice is nice. Ice is nice. You know what's nice? Hearing a conversation with you and Michael. Mm-hmm. You know what else is nice? Some engagement from you would be nice. Why don't you record a voice memo and tell us what you would like season two to be populated with? Is there a band you want to hear that played a Cirque that you missed? Spoken word from a Cirque, writer that you like. You know what you can do? You can you can leave a voice memo on anchor.fm. We'll play it on the podcast. Or you can record a voice memo and you can email it to meetforteacast. That's all one word, meetforteacast at gmail.com. We're there. You can write us with questions or comments or any sort of thing you want. But if you want to send us a voice memo, we might just play it on a future podcast. Mm-hmm. Or just send us a voice memo telling us what your favorite episode of season one was. That would actually be really good feedback. We could use that. Yeah. But please, people, engage. These are disengaged times. We're giving you an opportunity to engage and to connect. And those are altogether too rare in the era of COVID. Yeah. Come virtually hang out with us. Come on. Let's do this. So, shall we? Yes. I think with no further ado, here's the conversation with Elizabeth and Michael. Please enjoy, and thank you for listening. Officially, hello. Welcome. Hi, how are you doing? Good, good. I mean, things are interesting since the house fire, and we are recording this episode of the podcast from our most recent temporary residence, uh, Airbnb. Right. So. I had a house fire. I, I've been through it. Oh, my goodness. Did you lose a lot? Yeah, I lost a lot of my papers, a lot of my books, artwork, oh my, stuff like that. Oh, my gosh. I, I feel like we're kind of lucky. It was just our um, back porch that really burnt. And a lot of things inside the house had smoke and soot, but they, we didn't lose very much of anything at all. They've been able to clean and restore a bunch of stuff. That's good. I feel good. very fortunate. Yeah, so it's this a, is very, it's traumatic. It is 
really quite a thing. Um, the, the timings seemed like it couldn't have been worse, you know, right in the middle of a global pandemic. I'd been staying safe at home and now we can't remain at home for a bit longer. But anyway, we're, we're here to talk about you and this is the season finale of the podcast. This is a last I mean, episode. I have to go out with a bang, huh? You are you are the bang with which we plan to go out. Right. <laughs> yeah. But no pressure. No. <laughs> None whatsoever. So 100,000 poets, artists, and musicians for change. I know there's more categories. There's photographers, everything. That's a decade old now. Is that correct? That's what you got. 10 years. 10, ten years. 10 years of events or 10 events. Which is amazing. And when did you conceive of this project? It was something like in March of 2011. And I was living with Terry in Guerneville, California, in Sonoma County, north of San Francisco. And I was just complaining to a friend about the state of the world and feeling kind of isolated and disappointed that I didn't see more people shouting and protesting. And you know, I grew up in a time when poets were very active. Yeah. And that was not the most active time in my experience of for poets, I didn't, 2011, people were still pretty quiet. And um, there were people, there were people doing good work, but it was kind of very quiet. And there was a lot of pressure on poets at that time to be polite or don't get too political. I mean, there was a lot of pressure about political poetry and all this nonsense about, oh, well, political poetry is is bad and it's poorly written and it's as if as if non-political poetry couldn't be bad and poorly written but yeah i know anyway but that was the, the thing to say and then i say it was telling this friend i said I, I think this was the same this was the same year or the time as when the gulf of mexico was on fire Mm -hmm. And we had wars in Iraq and wars in Afghanistan and it was a mess, terror and the global warming and all kinds of horrible things. And, uh, you know, I, could, I couldn't understand why people weren't like screaming. I said there ought to be 100,000 poets for change. And this friend said, that's a good idea. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and I thought, actually, my first response is, Actually, that's bullshit, because all that says to me is you're going to go out there and try to get people to respond, and you're going to be disappointed as usual, trying to organize, 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 and people are going to think you're being off the wall, and why don't you just kind of quiet down? So in, in a way, I, I, went, I turned around and I went and posted, I created an event page on Facebook and said uh, something like, if you would like to be a part of 
If you would like to join other poets and artists around the world to speak about peace, justice, and sustainability, have a, a, an event, some, you know, sometime during the year at the point I didn't even know when we would do it. I was just wanted to test out the air and actually prove to myself that nobody cared. Right. And get it over with. It was kind of my way of saying, fuck you. Um, nice. And I had been doing that or organizing a lot and trying to, and I was having a lot of problems with response. And I think Terry and I, I told Terry now, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm tired of it. It's enough already. It's like, and um, I posted it on Facebook and I got, you know, for, within minutes, I got two or three or four people from different cities say, I'm in. Hmm. And I was like, really? I mean, four people, that's pretty cool. I mean, I didn't really, that was to me, that was surprising that even one person said something. Well, so, but I mean, I could go on and make the long, long story short. Or long, however you want to tell it. Well, it, it just, it was, it just built. It was like by the end of the day, there were like 10 and a couple of days there was like 13. I'm going downstairs to Terry's office. I said, hey, Terry, look guess what? You know, there's these people and they want to do this thing. And I, I, I put out this message and she's like, all right, come on, Michael. I thought you were done. <laughs> and I go, well, I don't know. I think that's kind of nice. You know, I mean, even if it is only 10 or 13 people, you know, in different cities, that's kind of cool. And then I'd come back the next day and I go, Hey, Terry, there's like 40, <laughs> it's like 40 40 people and, and they're saying, and, they're, and I've got, I got a list of all these place people that would do it. And she said, let me see what you're doing. So I, I, you know, I brought up to my computer and shit. I said, look at this, look at these people, all this, here's one, this one, St. Louis. And this one is in, you know, in Cincinnati and uh, look, there's someone in Mexico. That's interesting. And uh, she's kind of, you know, that is kind of, that's, Kind of interesting, you know. You should make a better, have a better way of keeping track. And so I'll set up you a, a, like a WordPress uh, blog for you, and you can keep a list and something like that. We'll do something like that. And it kept on coming. And as you know, something like the first year there was seven hundred. Yes. And and uh, there was everywhere. It was Egypt and Mexico and India and Africa and. Um, all over Europe and all there was like something like 300 events in the United States. There were like 13 events or more just in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, which was kind of cool. I mean, I, I, I like all over town, all over the the, the area, there were going to be events. And I picked a date, uh, which was the last Saturday of September. Mm -hmm. And that became like the standard date. And, um, then I put together a kind of statement of what I believed in or what I expected, which is basically the same statement that we have we have now is the same one I posted 10 years ago. It never really needed to be updated or something. I mean, the, my English could have been better. I've improved. I improved my, gra <laughs> my grammar's better. But um, <laughs> overall, it's the same message. And, it, and then it... The surprising thing was when it took place and everybody was involved, and I got a contact from um, Stanford University say, saying, 
you know, we've heard about this reading, and it seems to be, from our understanding, the largest poetry event in history. Amazing. Which sounds really good if you think about it. Definitely. Yeah. I said, can I, can I quote you? <laughs> it's like, you know, and uh, yeah, so that actually became a fact, and now we are 10 years down the road, and and it's still going on and people are doing it. Actually, they're doing it all year long, not just on the Saturday. People have learned to adjust it based on like holidays or if they have holidays on Saturday, can't do it on Saturday. If they have a, a venue already booked for the 15th and, they, you know, in September or in October or whatever, it doesn't matter. I feel like and they send these all these beautiful posters. I don't know. Have you seen the posters? I have. They're gorgeous. I sent you some posters from our events. Actually. That's right, yeah. actually. You've been doing it for how long? I think I was there the first year. I, I think I was. Um, 2011, that sounds about right. I seem to remember, did, did you at some point decide to email editors of small literary journals I don't know. Because I remember getting an email. Well, I used as many channels as I could. I mean, I I started trying to build mailing lists. I, I, yeah, you were the in the first year. Yep. I remember I remember I remember just being so honored to be asked and um just determining that no matter how small I was gonna make some kind of an event happened that first year i you know i see your name now you know i mean it's like you said oh yeah i mean i'm not looking that up i'm remembering your yeah of course you were right there in the beginning yep so i don't remember how what i did everything i could to spread the word and um i mean of course i had a lot of friends built up on my friends list i don't know why but I, that was a good mm -hmm. um, now I, i'm glad i did that because and in those days, you still had free access to your friends. You know, now if you want to invite someone, Facebook gives you a percent a percentage of your friends list that you can invite to an event. You can't invite I everybody. Know. I know. Which it's really scared me. Yeah, it is infuriating. And it scared me because it. we did all those years. Our event re relies on outreach like that. And, mm -hmm. and, there's not, it's not just 10% of my friends list or, or 30, it's everyone. And, and it also relied on buzz. So even if I invited people who weren't particularly interested in organizing an event, they might go to their, their friend or their son or their daughter and say, have you heard about this? And you should contact them. Like a really good example of how the buzz worked was, so we hooked up with a lot of people in Mexico, and they were very enthusiastic. Mexico was one of the strongest areas, and there was something like 15 events just in Mexico City. And That's cool. They were walking down the street with megaphones, reading poetry, and they came upon a guy standing there with a chalkboard and um, with like writing a poem. And they said, well, what are you doing? Because they knew pretty much who had signed up. I mean, we had this thing of signing up. 
I mean, it was, we needed to know how, who was out there, how it was working, and also start to create an archive for Sanford, which I, they offered to keep an archive of all of our uh, event details. I know, that's huge. So he, we wanted, we needed to know as much as we could. And then we had a place to save the posters and videos and we were getting videos from everywhere. Anyway, so, oh yeah, we got one video I remember from Jamaica and this woman in her, in her room, young girl in her room. And she's like, you know, speaking to, to whom, to somebody out there saying why it's important for her and and, in her community and send it to me. But anyway, we saw this group of Mexican poets are walking down the street and they see this guy with the chalkboard and they said, well, what are you doing? And he says, it's hundred thousand poets for change day. (laughs) And they said, we didn't know you said, I don't know. That's what we heard. It was, so we're doing it. And to this day, people do the event. I have no idea that they're doing it. I only hear about it. You know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll be Googling something and I'll say, oh, my gosh, I didn't know they they had one in Estonia. Wow. Uh, you know, or I didn't. Oh, the, the, the last the last night before the first year event, we got 13 signups from Mongolia. That's wild. It was wild. Railroad, radio stations, different towns in, in the country. It was amazing. So it's been amazing. I was crying. I was crying a lot. I was so moved that to know I wasn't alone and that people cared. It was beautiful. Still is. Still is. It's very moving stuff. I feel like I'd be remiss. You alluded to that original statement. And um can you can you give it to us? Can you can you read it? Oh. I think I think that should be part of this conversation. Let me see. Uh, you mind if I look it up? Not at all. Okay, let's see what it says. It's... Okay, we have a website, and it's at one hundred one zero zero tpc dot org. I remember. <laughs> and it's the about us in the menu. It goes. Do you want to join other? other poets, musicians, and artists around the USA and across the planet in a demonstration celebration to promote peace, justice, and sustainability, and to call for serious social, environmental, and political change. One, what kind of change are we talking about? Two, I want to organize my area. How do we begin to organize? And then I go, what kind of change are we talking about? This is my answer. The first order of change is for poets, writers, musicians, artists, activists to get together to create and perform, educate and demonstrate simultaneously with other communities around the world. This will change how we see our local community and the global community. We have all become incredibly alienated in recent years. We hardly know our neighbors down the street, let alone our creative allies who live and share our concerns in other countries. We need to feel this kind of global solidarity. It will be empowering. And of course, there is the political social change that many of us are talking about these days. There's trouble in the world. Wars, violation of human rights, ecocide, racism, genocide, gender inequality, homelessness, the lack of affordable medical care, police brutality, 
religious persecution, poverty, censorship, animal cruelty, the list goes on and on. It appears that transformation towards a more sustainable world is a major concern and could be a global guiding principle for 100 TPC events. Peace also seems to be a common cause. War is not sustainable. There is an increasing sense that we need to move forward and stop moving backwards. But we are not trying to be dogmatic. We hope that together we can develop our ideas of the change transformation we are looking for as a global community, and that each local community group will decide their own specific area of focus for change for their particular event. All we ask is that local communities organize events about change within the guidelines of peace and sustainability. And then it goes, I want to organize my area. How do we begin to organize? You want me to keep going? Sure. I think it's important on this 10th anniversary. 100,000 posts for change will help organize by local region, city, or state and find individuals in each area who would like to organize their local event. If you are an organizer for your community, this means that first you will consider a location for the event and begin to contact people in your area who want to participate in the event. Participation means contacting the media, posting the event on the web, in calendars, newspapers, etc., reading poems, doing a concert, performing in general, supplying cupcakes and beer, it's up to you. Mm-hmm. Demonstrating, putting up an information table, inviting guest speakers, musicians, organizing an art exhibit and documenting the event, this is important too, and cleaning up, of course. Organizers and participants will create their own local event as an expression of who they are locally. Do they want a concert or a jam session, candlelight vigil or a circus, a march or a dance, poetry reading in a cafe or in the subway? Do they want absolute silence, a group meditation on a main street? It's up to the local organization. However, groups should try to hold some part of the event, if not all of it, outdoors in public view, not required. The point is to be seen and heard, not just stay behind closed walls. It is also important that the event be documented. Photos, audio, videos, poems, journals, paintings, documentation is crucial. The rest of the 100,000 Poets for Change want to hear what you have to say about change. Enjoy your creativity, too. The documentation will be shared through a blog website that I will set up, a blog website where groups can share and announce event information as well as post photos, videos, poetry, art, and thoughts. But an event doesn't have to involve tons of people. It can be just you, the organizer, and your pet on a street corner Mm -hmm. with a sign. Just let me know what you're planning. Every effort counts. Each local organization determines what it wants to focus on. Something broad like peace, sustainability, justice, equality, or more specific causes like healthcare or freedom or speech or local environmental or social concerns that need attention in your particular area right now. Organizations will then come up with a mission statement manifesto that describes who they are and what they think and care about. When the whole event has taken place, all the mission statements can be collected from around the world, and I hope work together into a grand statement of 100,000 Poets for Change. Thank you for joining us. Best, Michael Rothenberg and Terry carry on. Terry is the co-founder. I love it. And I think that's super important, especially as we are coming up on the 10-year anniversary. It's really and, interesting to read it. I mean, for me, I, I haven't read it in a while. Oh, wow. I'm glad I made you do so then. <laughs> so I'm thinking, I'm trying to say, 
how relevant it is. It's like, it sounds like you need it right now. Yes. <laughs> More so than ever. That, that's the funniest thing since 2011, since you began this global effort, even though it didn't start that way, it ended up that way. It's interesting also to note that around that time was the Arab Spring. Yes. And also after about like, I think it was in the fall, um, the Occupy movement mm -hmm. came into being. So it was a pretty energetic year. Yeah. Now there's, you're, you're doing um, special things for the 10th anniversary, right? You've put out a call to participants. Yeah. So in five years ago, we decided to have um, a conference. So I have to say that, you know, every people were worried, were saying, um, well, so people go off in their corners and they, and I'm saying, no, you know, you have this, these posters and stuff like that. That's the way you communicate. But also I've created these places on Facebook where you can meet and I've, I've added you to our organizational space. Talk to each other, meet each other. Mm. share what you're doing. Let the people are interested in what you're doing in, in Mumbai. They're interested in what you're doing in Mexico City or in New York or in um, Sandpoint, Idaho. I think it's Sandpoint, Idaho, right? Um, I have no idea. I don't know. I, I'm not so familiar with the Midwestern states. Sandpoint, Idaho. And... And we have an event every year in Sandpoint, Idaho. So the okay, so we had this event that we decided to have a a conference to help facilitate further interaction between people. Now I have to say, but at this point already, now five years down the line, people were were starting to contact and work with each other and publish each other and meet each other and travel and stop in and say, oh, you did the event and you did that. And local communities were getting built. They're rebuilding based on this particular event, not necessarily the same organization or group of people were having events in the name of 100,000 Poets for Change. Sometimes people came along and said, I'd like to organize an event. I've never organized an event in my life. And they were, next thing you knew, they were had, you know, 100 poets there who'd never been in the same place with each other. That was going on. But but so I wanted to have this conference. So we decided to do this conference in, five years ago in Salerno, Italy. I remember this. I wanted to go to that so badly. It was really amazing. It was really impossible for me. <laughs> <laughs> like financially, not, not going to happen. <laughs> I, I understand. That was... And, and I didn't think people were, I mean, it just seems so far-fetched, but we're not. And we met, knew, had some organizers in Salerno, and they, they, we went there, and we checked out the venue and this and that, and they had all kinds of great setup. They had a, a, this beautiful church that where there was performing space and meeting rooms, and it was on a you know, piazza, and there was... It was oh, wow. right walking distance to all these restaurants, and it was it was great. And they were there on site to provide infrastructure. And um, we had met. There's a woman we knew who, who from Milan, who uh, Donatella, who 
was a great graphic artist and she jumped in. And so we had this perfect setup for where we could do it. And we put out the announcement and we got about a hundred people who said that they would come, which actually is quite a few. It is. Considering, especially considering the fact that we're not, have no underwriting. We're not, you know, we don't have any big literary foundation or arts supporting, fund supporting us. No one gives us grants. We're totally voluntary, you know, volunteer. We don't have, you know, like sponsors, like big time sponsors. We did put together a program and there were some like people like City Lights or, or Split This Rock who took out advertisements in the program to help support it. But it was pretty much, you know, like, this underground kind of a network. And we had people from India, Egypt, Mexico, Nigeria, um, Germany, England, France, uh, Lithuania, Macedonia, um, Morocco. We had in the United States, we had all these people from very scattered around maybe 20, 20, 25 countries represented. And they, and they just, showed up i mean there we were hmm. and we I mean of course we were acting on faith we were there standing i was i'll never forget standing in front of the church it was a four-day event and watching this woman come walking down the street with a backpack on and i said i'm telling you that looks like someone who must be coming to the event we had we had like a a party to begin with, like a reception. So there was like pizza and stuff like that. Cool. And um, this woman came up and I I said, uh, are you looking for 100,000 votes for change? She said, yeah. I said, who are you? <laughs> I'm Aditi and I'm from, um, I forgot where she's from, uh, Mumbai or. Oh, wow. And I just, I it was like kindred spirits, you know. It's like we've you've come across all the way from India, following a call. She's from Delhi, and uh, following this call, and that you know, within like an hour, everybody had arrived from everywhere, and we were all like in this place eating pizza, and introducing ourselves to each other, and it was like amazing. Oh yeah, and the closeness was so powerful. We had to dance and we had readings and we, we had a room where we had uh, some, you know, uh, round table discussions about who, who we are, what our interests are, um, what we want for the future, things like that. And we, I mean, we partied together and we read together. And we, there was a group that we traveled every night through the streets of, of Salerno reading uh, poetry in the streets and, I mean, it was fantastic. And to this day, so that's the answer to your question. I'll give you the answer to your question. So (laughs) what happened was since the pandemic and its 10-year anniversary, um, I thought, well, we can't have another conference, but um, let's get everybody on a chat in Facebook and say hello. Yes. And so I invited everybody in this big 
chat thread and people over the since the five years have been visiting and writing each other all the time the closeness was amazing i mean really i mean i mean i was getting visits i've been getting visits here from everywhere um and i'm in tallahassee florida and i was getting visits here and so and in in, in guerneville which i lived in before i moved to florida so during the chat we said well let's do a zoom so there we were, all of us zooming together, and it was sweet. It was sweet. It was just sweet to look upon each other's faces again. And and during that meeting, everyone decided, well, what shall we do? And the, these are the ideas that came up as, one, we should do some Zoom sessions of readings once a month till September in the Global Day. So we had a woman from Malaysia and a woman, man from Hungary coordinate the June Zoom session this year. And they had like 35 readers and they did beautiful readings with people, a lot of people from Asia because uh, the time thing. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the next, next month, last month we had a, a man, a man from California and someone from Ireland they hosted a group that we would put out an announcement that there was going to be these readings and it filled up immediately. I feel remiss. I need to get on this. It just happened. I mean, it just filled up immediately. It was weird. That's huge. And two events, one this month coming will be Mexico person from Mexico and California. And then next September, there's two on September, the, the global day. One at 11 a.m. and one at um, 4 that I'll be hosting with Pilar from Mexico. And um, and people have been, we sent out a letter to everybody saying, look, these slots are filled, but you need to organize your own Zoom session. And, and you can record those and we'll archive them. And I sent out a mailer saying, you know, let's just keep going and do. So I've been, people have been writing to me saying we will do Zoom sessions, you know, they, because they can't necessarily group, gather in groups. Right. So because of the virus. So people are just still fighting forward to support the program. And that came out of that particular Salerno group. And then I proposed, well, why don't we do a book? And they're all, that's interesting, you know, poems. I go, no. Essays. Let's mm -hmm. let's write about why a hundred thousand poets for change is important. What what is it? What what is its value to to you? Or what has it done for you? Or how did it happen for you? Not just an accounting of like I had an event and this person read, but really about like what the the history based on an oral history, an oral history of what and you need to contribute to this. I want to. What's the deadline again? December. So Date? The first or second. December first or second. <laughs> maybe okay. the, maybe the third. Okay, I'll I'll make a note to get it done before the end of November, definitely. And so it's like it. Did you get the mailer? I, I'll send I'll send you a PDF of it. I'll share it with you in Messenger. As yeah, an attachment. please. Please do. Maybe it's not too late for me to try to do a Zoom event on 100,000 Poets. That too. What's the date of that again? September 26th. But you got to understand, like I said, people are, if you said, you know what, I can't do it in September, but I want to do one in November. Yeah. That's fine. You just 
it's if it happens all season, it's cool. I mean, I'm finding out, you know, some people said, oh, no, you shouldn't. You're going to dilute it if you let it spread out. Everybody should do it on the same day. And that is exciting when you know that on a certain day, everybody, lots of people around the world are are doing this. It is. But it's also pretty nice that when all season long events are taking place in different places around, you know, it's a season. You know, that's good, too. And I don't pe- people shouldn't feel that because, um, if you know, it's it's the sa- Sabbath. So they don't want to do it on Saturday or it's some religious holiday and that they're feeling that they're being shut out because it's falling on that day. There's a lot of religious holidays. There's a there's a important Jewish one on that day. I'm I'm a dumb shit. Well, it's, so. it's a Sabbath. I think one year it fell in Yom Kippur. Right. Right. I remember that some people couldn't participate. So it happens. But so the, I want it to be available to people and and make sure that they can do it. So if you if that day doesn't work, you just do it. And if you send me the notice on Facebook, I can I can publicize it and tell people on it. You can send a po- poster of your of your Zoom session, you know, same as nice. it, same as it ever was. <laughs> so as the talking heads would say yeah so it's cool and it and so that it turned the the 10 year anniversary it made it very poignant that people were were gathering at this time with all that they're they're dealing with because they want to do it it's like this woman in Egypt in Cairo I said to her do you are you going to do something this year she says it's a tradition I mean, of course, it's a tradition. How can you even ask? But I always ask every year, I ask everybody, are you going to do it as a courtesy yep. to, to acknowledge that I don't take for granted that they are or that each year they can tell me what they would like to do. And if I've had people who didn't do it for a few years and came back and did it, which is all good. People sometimes feel that they're somehow betraying the movement because they didn't do it oh, for gosh. a year or two. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's like when you can, but it's your life. Don't right. worry about it's it. Not, it's not Catholicism. You're not trying to instill guilt. No, no. <laughs> no, there's, there's all kinds of things to feel bad about. That's not one of them. <laughs> yeah, indeed. No, I, I did it every single year except for one i think there was one year where i was horrendously sick so like you were sick i know i remember year. that so sick but every single other year i feel like we've been remiss about the video because the place we settled on was this beautiful place called park hill orchard and they have a sculpture garden there mm. with art from all local artists it's just gorgeousness a pavilion and I have my writers and my musicians come and perform there but the thing about the the space is gorgeous but there's terrible wi-fi like getting a signal for making mm-hmm. any kind of recording is impossible but yet it's outdoors it's this gorgeous setting there's a sculpture garden and everyone that comes and including the people who come unintentionally like people who just come to the orchard for orchard purposes, apples, fruit, <laughs> or people who came to see the sculpture garden and don't know what's going on. A lot of people will just stop and pause and draw in closer to where the performers are. 
And then the owners of the orchard say it always, that there's just something, not to sound all hooey, but there's something just kind of magical in the air on that day. There is a very particular energy and a sweetness that's mm-hmm. really keenly felt. You can't, you can't miss it. You know, people, my experience that, that, and I'm not making it up because I'm like promoting my thing or something because mm-hmm. I really don't identify with it as my thing. I really right. don't. It's like, I feel like I, I set up, I have provided a venue and that's the rest it belongs to the community. And um, one of the things that I notice in response to the events with people's, when I say to them, do you have documentation? They go, you know, they're like, Oh, it was so amazing. We had such a great time. The energy was so, so (laughs) fantastic. People were so excited. It's so thrilling. And I did get a chance to watch some of the videos and people talking about, you know, like right now around the world, there are poets in places you never imagined. Yes. Gathering to read poetry because they believe in peace, justice, and sustainability, not because of anything else that 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 that's what was so beautiful about Salerno well, why we we were kindred spirits because we we knew what we were there for I mean of course everybody has their ego and you know they're poets and everybody wants to get published and all that stuff but the 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 thing that really really was at the top of everyone's mind is that we're here because we care we're here because we believe in a better world. We're here because we believe in positive change. You know, and yes, and that's that creates a certain kind of energy mm-hmm. when people have put the put aside their egos and are thinking more about or put, or put aside parts of their egos <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> right, you know. And it creates a great energy and a, a feeling of of celebration of something bigger than themselves. And and uh, so that what you're saying, it doesn't sound like, you know, hooey. <laughs> no, hooey. I was going to say, hooey. it doesn't sound like that because it's it's how people feel. It's real. Yeah, it is. It is. It totally is. I still find it hard to imagine. I mean, I I don't like go. Oh yeah, hundred thousand posts another day. It's like I still surprised every year that that people are doing it, want to do it, that it's that it happens, and I every year I get excited about it. Oh, me too. I'm sad it's the pandemic this year, and I can't do my normal. I know my normal. Uh, I know physical but, event, but we have each other. We do. We have each other, and um, I'm going to do what I can. That's why we're doing these monthly events to let everybody know it's it's happening. And I'll start doing a little bit more messaging. It's very hard right now because we are in such a place of major change. Oh, aren't we though? And and I'm kind of reluctant to tumult. Actually, yeah, oh my god, it's it's painful. And and to you know, I mean, between the pandemic, which is horrifying and strange. And and um, sad, 
And then mm-hmm. the political upheavals in our country, in the United States, as well as in other places. Yes. And and how, how horrifying that's become in, in setting. And it's hard to, to, like, I certainly don't have to convince anybody we need to have, we need to, to, to do something. No. <laughs> I mean, everybody got that message. So I feel like I have to be careful about coming out and making too much of 100,000 posts for change at this time. We're here. We're open. We're supportive as ever. You know, hopefully gathering together gives everybody sense of moral support so that they can continue to fight against what they're dealing with. Like the creeping rise of totalitarianism in America. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. And, and just the sadness of of knowing that each day there's a death count in the pandemic. And oh. that's so it's so upsetting. And so it's this general awareness that everywhere in the world people are suffering. Not not that they hadn't been suffering before, but we have it's so much a, a global experience. I mean, I've never had any kind of experience like this before where No. So nor have I. I feel sadly for, like, well, everybody, for a lot of people, but my little grandsons, little Finnegan, I think I've been sending you pictures of him since he was an infant. He would be starting first grade this fall. Yeah. Which is really exciting. Yeah. When you're six. And he's he's not. It's not safe. The schools aren't going to reopen, but it's it's a... You can't really make a six-year-old grasp why they don't get to start first grade. Right. They don't get it. I know. They, they, they can't even, they can't process it, no matter how bright they are. It's just, it's too big. Well, they can't, it's hard for them at that age to live in the future and reflect upon the impact of it. I heard someone say, and I, you know, it's not, not to discount it, but they said, well, on the bright side, people there will be some young people who have a great story to tell about. Yes, there will. About they lived during the pandemic. I mean, I mean, it's it's a horrible option, but um, it's what's available. Though. That's, what, that's what we got. Yeah, that's the reality. But so it's nice that you know, just if I can communicate properly, that. Well, I saw the, I saw, I watched the first Zoom session in June from Malaysia and Hungary. And it was beautiful. Oh, wow. It was beautiful. There were people from all over the place and they were, had never met each other. And they were, they, some, some sang and some, some, they spoke in their own languages and read poems in their own languages, which was amazing just to hear the sound of the languages. Oh yeah. I love that. Oh my gosh. The sound of the sound of Malaysian. It's like, what an interesting. It's like music, isn't it? Yeah. It has this incredible, uh, I don't know what it is. It's, it's very interesting for me to hear it. I just, you know, so we have each other, and so it, it's created a bonding, a bonding opportunity. And I hope that more people 
will continue to sort of take play, part in, in it as we move forward in the next month and year and and take advantage of it. See, I think it I think it's a great I think it's a when I say take advantage of it, I really mean it that way. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like if you it's a resource for healing. It is. And for for finding if you've been feeling isolated for for finding community and feeling reconnected. Yeah. I mean it's not hu- not it's not physical. It's like we're on these, you know, that's, Zoom. That's good nowadays that it's not physical. Yeah, I know, but thank I mean, goodness you for that. Zo- you know, <laughs> you get zoomed out. People get zoomed out. But I don't know that to know. It's very, it's healing. I, it, it's been very helpful for me. I'm looking forward to the one that's coming up at the end of this month, and I, I'll watch it and and hear the different. We, we live stream it on. On the hundred thousand poets for change official page, just okay. So on the on the official Facebook page for hundred thousand poets for change. Yeah, and right, it, it'll come right up there uh, on on the date. If you people go there now, the way the process, the way in fact, what this is what's developed as a, a way of doing it is, uh, and then it's been a group decision how it be done, and and I have to say that it's been very unique that it's a group participation. In, in this kind of administration, which I've never had any group per se helping us here. It's, I don't know whether it's control freak me or whether it's, hmm. um, but since everyone's home and people want to do something, they're like, well, we'll organize the event and we're going to set up how it'll go and we'll do that. And that's that kind of, more of it in minute. Let's we'll 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 be the editorial board for the book on on a hundred thousand poems for change the history book. We'll 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 be that. But anyway, what was I saying? I'm over the place. I know. No, no, you're good. You're good. It's, it's so it's, it's what you're describing is is a true a true collaboration. Yeah, and so they picked out people from all over the world to to participate, and I'm looking forward to it to it. I know. I, I don't want to miss the next one. So no, you should watch. Watch yeah. it. It's, it's very d- cool. D- tell when is when is the date? Oh man, I knew you were going to ask me that. I, I, there's I just, so many dates. I don't even. You know, I don't know. It's like a history book. All these dates. I don't know about <laughs> you, but I'm finding myself increasingly disoriented be, <laughs> because of not being in a normal schedule. I mean, you know, we're it's like Corona time. Yep. It's like when is it? Is this Thursday or Wednesday or which month are we in? Let me see. Let's see. It says here. <laughs> where's the poster? The ne- the next Zoom uh, event will be August twenty ninth, and it will be at. What are these times? 1 p.m. New York time. So, and if you go to the 100,000 Posts for Change official page, it will show up. You know how the streaming yes. shows up and it'll be there and you can watch it. And, and then it saves it and you can go back. Oh, yeah, I know what I was saying. So 
what they're doing, <laughs> I, I, I was, I knew I'd lost the thought somewhere it's in there. Okay, I, I like I like a tangent. <laughs> well, good because I'm I'm all tangents. I go I'm tangential and I'm and I go backwards. So it's like with the first whatever you ask me, I will answer at the end of this this discussion. You can just say that you're being recursive. Is that what it is? Yeah. Is that a good thing? Yeah. Okay. Sure. I'm, I'm being recursive. You can interpret it any way you want, but it's just it kind of backing up a little bit, circling around to where you were going. Right. It, it's a method. It, of course, I have it planned that way. Right. <laughs> right. And we'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back. So what 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 we do is the organizers for instance for this event on August 29th Saturday is they're collecting the bios and bio photos of every single reader that's going to be participating and they are currently posting each day one or two bio with bio photo on the official page so you can see who's going to be there awesome and everybody gets excited their pictures there and that they're going to participate and they can share it around and so people are there's we've had like last the last reading there were five thousand views which i think is pretty good that's impressive yeah and the first the first was that and people are still looking at those so it's been we've had close to you know five thousand views each time then this this one coming up is going to be very interesting. I mean, they all have been have their own character, and that's the same thing. What we'll do in September twenty sixth, we've already sent we're sent out a mail announcement today asking people to start sending us their bios and photos. So as soon as this event is over on the 29th, we'll start posting for September twenty sixth. And that's when people can sign up to participate in that. No, we're put, we're booked. You're booked. So um. If, if a person wanted to, or if any of my listeners, or perhaps even me, want to sign up to participate in one, how far out are you booked? Well, all of the ones, the five that we set up so far, are mm-hmm. booked. They're completely booked. That's cool. That is cool. And it happened very yeah. fast. And, and I didn't expect that. That's like 150 readers over that period of time. That's but huge. The, what I have, for instance, there's... There's a woman in Charlottesville, Polly Lazaron. I think that's how you say her name. You know, I've seen it. She said, well, I'll do an event. So she's going to start. She's looking for people to sign up. So if you want to contact her, mm. um, then you can. she's going to host one. And as, a, you know, like it'll be a 100,000 posts for change event. And let's put it this way. Anybody who wants to read for a Zoom event, 100,000 post Zoom event, should contact me, mm-hmm. and I'll try to connect them with readings that are going to occur. Nice. And if anybody wants to organize one of those readings, they could contact me and say, look, I'm a, I want to host 100,000 posts for change reading. Can you send people to me? And I can do that. So, like, if you said to me, I want to do one, then um, I can start... You could say, I want people from all around the world. Believe me, there's a lot of people out there who are very <laughs> they're frustrated by the fact that we had 
as few we didn't have enough slots to take care of everybody to some you know great poets so feel free to contact me you know my mailing address email is walter blue at bigbridge.org i do and um i do i've used it often over the past 10 years or at least once right. a year to to sign up and ask that you got got my sign up and make sure it was all confirmed so yes so we're doing we do what we can to help people participate i feel like this is just so important and it, it was always important. It was always something like the, the minute I found out about it, it was something that I knew I wanted to be involved in. And it really wasn't hard to get other people excited about it either. I mean, just saying, you know, on this day, when I did it on the actual, you know, the, the last Saturday of September, on this day, all over the world, people are, are gathering to make their music and read their poetry. That's all I had to say to get people interested in providing a space or being involved because right. it's it's pretty compelling. It's I'm still like I said I'm still thrilled that it's it still has energy, strong energy, and people really get it. I could I couldn't have planned it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I do. I mean, I really didn't expect anybody to reply. I just, that was it. I was like, like I said, it was a, it was kind of my way of reassuring myself that nobody cared. And I, I got a completely different message. The exact opposite yeah. message. Now you've spearheaded a truly global phenomenon. And things have changed a lot in the last 10 years because people have mobilized in a lot of different ways. And it has ch the whole tenor of the poetry community, at least I, my opinion, has become much more political. And I'm not taking credit for this. I'm saying that times have changed. With Occupy, Arab Spring, all that, people reacting to the increased uh, militarization of police and the, the killing of people on the street and by police and and the global warming and I mean people have just find just everyone seems to be charged up and there's an awful lot of political poems being written today everywhere in all different communities with different every type type all kinds of different creative inclinations so all different genres too I think not just poetry but I think um. So my husband's a musician. His his music's always been fairly political, but certainly it's gotten more intensely so. I, I see it happening in visual art. I've made pieces yeah. that speak to it myself. Um, I, I think it's kind of crossing disciplines. Yeah, no, totally. Look, I, it, music has always been an interesting thing to me because at one point it was very much you don't get too political in your music. People want to be entertained. It was frowned on, right? They don't want that. They don't want that. You're going to lose your audience if you sit there and turn your music performances into a, a, a political diatribe and preaching. And, and um, I mean, that's, that was, I mean, I knew people, people back in, in the beginning of 100,000 Votes for Change who were like, it just doesn't, it's not good, for, it's not good for us to do that. People don't come to hear me do that. 
And um, I was like, well, why not? Yeah. But, you know, we had we had some really interesting stuff. Like we had 100,000 mimes for change. That that was amazing. I read about that. I, I can can people still access footage of that? I'm so intrigued. Oh yeah, if you just go if you just google 100,000 mimes for change, you'll get footage. And if you go on the 100,000 poets for change website and you for instance, you just it's there's a search thing and search Cairo and mimes for change, you'll find their pages and their oh my gosh, their posters were great, their videos were great. That's amazing. They're, they're, they they were in subways. They were going out into villages and bringing it. Some of the pictures are just breathtaking. Um, it, it's just phenomenal, and that was real. That was really really cool. But yes, things have be, people have become much more <clears throat> politically engaged. It's def, I mean, people still complain. You know, well, political poetry, but but huh. now. Nah. As a, people have found a way to become more political. Well, I, I think I always found it really weird when people said, you know, don't, your art should be for art's sake and not about politics, and which completely ignores the fact that the choice not to engage politically is itself a political choice. It is. One born of privilege Often. Uh, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> you know, the first year someone signed up to for a group that they wanted to, uh, and they were saying, complaining about slam poetry. Oh, come on. And they were complaining about, you know, political poetry. And I was, I had, we, by this time we had, were organized, so we had, Signed up a lot of slam events, um, slam for change, and we in France and in Mexico and in Philippines, and we had we had some really really super events. And the energy behind in the slam community to support Hundred Thousand Poets for Change was really really great, mm-hmm. and it was very very energizing for me. And um, they were going, well, you know, it's commercial, and there's judges and all this stuff and I'm going like wait 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 let's let's clarify in my from my opinion the I don't you cannot tell me there's no judges in the non-slam community you know yeah. you can't tell me that say <laughs> for instance a poet who is in the university academic system you cannot tell me there is not competition there's gatekeepers uh, having, you know, come through the academy myself. I was a professor before I started my literary journal. There's gatekeepers around every corner. Of course. And I was sort of like, are you kidding? Yeah. I mean, really? Are you, you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's wrong. This, and then there's this thing about, about the quality of, 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 a poetry that was written in spoken word and and slam and I was kind of like also saying come on I mean how many we've all sat at reading poetry readings where we want to slit our wrists (laughs) I mean it's like you know any kind there's you know I mean that's a horrible thing to say and I know that no it isn't I I have I have an I have a 
I have an image, right? I'm supposed to be. Oh, well, don't worry about that. No, I don't think that is a terrible thing to say because my my daughter, um, Finnegan's mommy, actually came to. I, I have release parties for my Arts and Literary Journal. I did at least every quarter physical events with art on exhibit and spoken word and films and live music. And she would come and she'd sit through part of the spoken word part and she's like, Mommy, I hate when people read in poet voice. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> and then she'd mimic it. And she's like, when you read your poems, Mama, you read just like your, like when you read me stories, you just read. Right. And then she'd be like, and as I moved through the world and the exaggerated pauses, she does a hilarious um, <laughs> <laughs> impression of poet voice. It's pretty funny stuff. There's a lot of the, you know, it's just people write their hearts out. I don't care what style they're writing. It doesn't. I don't care. It doesn't. To me, I. I mean, the poets reading in the first event for hundred this this year in June. Mm-hmm. The woman in Malaysia is heavily um, involved in the spoken word community, and she actually just finished like a three hundred page book on using spoken word poetry as a way of teaching children and teaching children through spoken word and what very cool yeah it's fantastic i read through the whole thing and um it's great it's it's brilliant and and i know she's got a great crowd of people and all over asia that she engages in spoken word what's her name her name is Ilya sumanto what's the title of the book in case my Listeners, I can't remember the name of the book. I'll have them look it up. It's not in print yet, but Ilya, I-L-L-Y-A. That book sounds incredible. Sumanto, S-U-M-A-N-T-O. Yeah. Thank you. It's very interesting. And she's a very nice person. She was in Salerno for the conference. Now, Gabor, who's from Hungary, he's a bead-influenced poet, but he's, you know, I mean... He's for European and has, you know, the classics of European Hungarian poetry, not necessarily dull or something, but it's it's not it's less spoken word. It's more in the book and mm-hmm. it's on the page. And and even though he has this beat orientation, he does perform with jazz musicians. So I don't want to categorize him as some sort of of in the book nerd or something like that. But you know, sure. it's a different vibe. He's older. He's more like my age. You know, he's like set in his seventies or close to seventy, and um, so he's less. He's he has more traditional tendencies. But that reading was beautiful in that by that because it went back and forth and it it was very dynamic. I love to hear all the different ways that people are going to to. Um, to express themselves, the individual voice to me is the most compelling part of poetry. I'm not really interested in trying to all trying to write the same poem, right? Or sound no. or sound the same way. No one wants to just read this that over and over again. Definitely, I don't. Also, like Poetry Journal, you know, the much lauded. Poetry Journal. God, what was it? Seven years ago, they had an entire issue devoted to sl- to um, slam and spoken word and hip hop. 
great. And that's Poetry Journal. And they should, and it should be. It's a real, it's a real thing. And I do find that the the any the snobbery, any snobbery around slam or hip hop to be, uh, you know, also to have an undertone of a certain kind of racism. To be quite frank, mm-hmm. and, definitely. And if not, if not um, a class bias, you know what I mean. It's not. It isn't yes. just. Um, race it's class mm-hmm. and it's like saying oh well you know if you hadn't haven't learned going to school like i did you know then you know you're you're really not doing it the way it should be right if you haven't read Parliament of Fowls by Chaucer in the original Middle English, and you know how the Middle English rhymes work, well, then forget it. Right, not or, a poet. Or, or the wasteland. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, I wanted to do a postmodern <laughs> reinterpretation of it set in the scorched earth that Trump is <laughs> dead set on leaving us. I know. I thought it could possibly work. You know, as what you don't know Ezra Pound? I mean, it's like, come on! But I think that, and that's what Hundred Thousand Poets for Change is. I wanted to to bring together is to like we have on the sat the, the event that we're doing on sat on the Saturday, the September twenty sixth. We have beat poets and university poets and spoken word poets and. Uh, 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 street, if you want to say street poets and hip hop, as well as, you know, formal, whatever. Yeah. And I think that's what it should be. Just a whole. And I like that we're all together, that we're all in the same space together, mm-hmm. that that we look at each other and, and, and hopefully respect each other for our particular dedication to poetry and to arts and to communicating and caring about the planet however we decide to manifest yeah there's just it, it just builds such a such a, a strong and yeah really diverse community yeah. of different voices yeah i wish i could get you i wish that we had better internet access you would have liked um a fellow i've published a lot michael Goldman, who um, writes his own stuff, but he also translates poetry out of the Danish. Mm. So he would read pieces in the Danish followed by the English. And again, like you were talking about the Malaysian poet, just hearing the sounds is fantastic. Yeah, totally. It's exciting. Let's see what I hear. If I look at, see what I have in the, uh, um, just to see what's going on 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 that date, on the 26th, say. Yeah. Have, let me just see, for instance, there's um, DeAndre Hawthorne Black Ice in Chicago, who who is going, he's spoken word, slam. Nice. Um, uh, Virgil Suarez, um, the Cuban poet who teaches at FSU, he's great. Uh, Maxine Chernoff, co-founder, uh, editor of... Uh, New American Writing. I thought that name rang a bell. Yeah. Robert Priest, who's a Canadian poet, who's a songwriter. He wrote 
he, you know, he wrote song, a hit song with Alana Miles. Remember? Oh, wow. Yeah, he's my, Robert's wonderful. He's a sweet man. I, he came to to uh, Salerno. He did. He's great. Has written a great children's book. He's really a, a great poet. Owen Hill, who, who has been working at Moe's in Berkeley forever, and I wrote, in fact, one of the first poets I read with back in, you know, I don't know, 1985. Oh, wow. Uh, Ron Kipling Williams, who's a spoken word poet who, in Baltimore, is very an activist poet. James Kimbrell, FSU. Um, Yusuf Komanyaka, who's, he, he, was he a Pulitzer winner or something? Oh, wow. Yusuf Komanyaka. Where is he out of? He's in New York City. I don't know if I said his name particularly right, but he, he, um, he, in 1994, won the Pulitzer Prize for Poetry. Wow. Um, Luminary. Yeah, yeah. There's Gabor from Hungary is going to be reading. Uh, Jackie Shelton Green, who is um, the Poet Laureate of North Carolina. S.K. Rawls in Santa Barbara. We have poets from Havana, Cuba, Durango, Mexico, Quito, Ecuador, cool. uh, Tijuana, Mexico. It's very... It's so rich. It's rich. It's very, very diverse and rich. It's it's an unexpected kind of um, a mix. Yeah. We, and in whole... the morning, we have poets from Italy and East Africa and Australia and Uruguay and and Brazil, and Egypt. This is all day, then? All day long. When does it start? Well, the first session's at 11 a.m. Eastern nice. Time, and the second yep. one is at 4, so it'll go 11 to 12, 11 to, to 1, one thirty two, and then 4 to 6.30. That's incredible. So I'm going to be burned out by the time that's over. <laughs> understandably it's, but it's, it's great a, i mean and then it, and then the other thing that's kind of beautiful about these particular readings that's new is that we're able to bring lar- uh, very broad communities from different countries together <clears throat> you know like when you're doing your your event you pr- you're bring, reaching to a broad community but it's within your locale yes whereas through zoom now we can have this global locale you know, Scotland, Scotland, and Scotland, and Belém, Brazil, and Guatemala City, and Tam- no place is too far. No, so yeah, it's 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 exciting. It's exciting. It's scary. <laughs> it's scary. It's fantastic. Now we're we're doing something. Um, September fifth, we're releasing a double issue of Meat for Tea because we had to skip, as you know, the um. June cycle because it's with um, money from local businesses, advertising revenue that we're able to print it. Cool. Yeah, and our local businesses were just too hard hit by you know a lot of them are restaurants and bars and tattoo parlors and they didn't have any money. Right. So we had to give them a break for a cycle because right. they just couldn't do it. But we're we're gonna do this double issue, and then on September fifth, when we release it, we've actually produced a virtual release party. So it's not the same thing as having a physical one, but like you were saying, one thing I really like about it is I'm able to invite 
writers that live too far away from here to ever read it one and exactly the same with musicians. That's cool. So it's yeah, it can really open up the geography a lot. Well, I was just wondering, um I, I know you've sent us some jazz music of yours. Oh yeah. We're gonna be playing later in a podcast. I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that project a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, coming out of the, I guess it was the beat writers are very influential to me. And um, people like Jane Cortez and Amiri Baraka. And oh, yeah. Ferling Amiri Getty. Baraka. Right. These people were in Ferlinghetti and McClure and Kerouac were reading with musicians and jazz. And I thought that, you know, early on that that would be a great thing to do, that it mm-hmm. would be. It would be fun, and I liked the idea that I felt, I believed, that you can engage people in a new way and, and maybe get them more interested in the performance by working with the band. And that was a challenge because it wasn't, it, it seems obvious, but it's not that you have to get them, you, have, you still have to get them engaged. You know, it's... It's just because you throw in a guitar doesn't mean, or drums doesn't mean that you're going to get their attention. That's right. Or that you're going to entertain them. And then when I was, I, I got, I had got this grant. Terry got this grant with, with David Meltzer. And we traveled around the country for two months performing with bands in different cities. And we stopped in New Orleans and we performed with the Dirty Dozen Brass Band. Cool. Which was during the reading, people started to dance. And I was going, wait, this That's is awesome. I said, this is it. This is it. Yeah. And you can't tell me that you can't make this compelling, interesting, entertaining, and make you want to get up and dance at the same time. And I was, I, I, I remember I had a, what do you, what do you call that? A, um, I had a moment. <laughs> It's like a um, suddenly like epiphany, right? Epiphany, yes. As like this, I is love those. The, yes, this, <laughs> they're great. Too bad we can't get them in the market. I tried to research them when I was doing my doctorate, and I think you're not supposed to look at that stuff square on. No, gave myself writer's block. <laughs> right. This is a curse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I was like, now this is. This is means that actually you can get people engaged in a, at a level which I felt was had to be possible. And I saw it happen because people were dancing. So That's amazing. from that point on, I decided that whenever I got together with a band, I would tell them the first off that the object was to get the audience dancing. And if you if we didn't do that, we had not succeeded. That mm-hmm. so Fair. That was fair enough. And they had to figure because a lot of these times there's no rehearsal. It's like, you know, our trip around the, the country performing, we had never performed with any of these groups. And it was just cold. And um, just, would you do this? Would you do this? Yes. And so we had people who said that we'll try it. But um, we didn't have a chance to actually show each other what we can do. We had to figure it out live. 
I remember the first one was in um, in L.A. in this big venue, and we had most of Bonnie Raitt's band as our band. They were amazing. Cool. I mean, they were like amazing players, and we, we session players. They were session players. They were great. Like yeah, they were playing like for Lyle Lovett and the Stones, and I mean, they, you these can't are, get better than that. And I, I had such a panic attack. Because I was like, I ran, went over to Terry and I said, Terry, what are we doing? We got this grant and now we're going to travel all around. And I don't even know what I'm doing or how you do it. I don't even know what the band, how am I going to tell them what? And I was like really freaking out and I'm like ran outside. And she's like, Michael, get yourself together. You can do this. Just, just go. Trust it. They're great musicians. They'll take care of you. Terry sounds amazing. She's she did she was she is and she said to me, and so I, we did it, and it was great. And then as we went on, that was the first one in L.A. As we went on, Dirty Dozen. By that time, I was starting to go. Anything goes. Don't worry. Don't worry. Okay. So then, and we did we did something like uh, ten performances and something like ten panels on political activism. So with New York, for instance, at St. Mark's, we uh, began, we had a, a panel at St. Mark's with all these great poets and thinkers. And then we did a, um, a show at the Gershwin with um, Gershwin hotel with some amazing musicians. And so then when I, I went back to California and uh, all of us got very depressed because we were so high on being on the road. Oh, sure. So um, the letdown. When I got to Tallahassee, when I moved to Tallahassee, and I thought about, well, what do I want to do in my golden years? You know, I'd lived in California for forty years, and here I was in this town, and I was like, what am I going to do here? And it, and I said to someone that you know, I really like to perform with musicians. They, are there any musicians in town? They said, you have no idea how many musicians there are in Tallahassee. We have, <laughs> we have this great music school. And there's always these great musicians all the time. And I said, well, could we put set up? And um, so we ended up, I, I named the project the Eco Sound Ensemble. Nice. And what it was is, it's a, it's a, it's a changing group. A lot of the players continue, you know, go from different one incarnation to the other, but but it allows for if someone can't make it to have another person. And the first, I think the first show we did had a sitar, uh, congas, a bass player, a didgeridoo. Wow! <laughs> it was just like you know. And then next thing I knew, we had like the trumpet player who played with Archie Shep and. And Nat Adderley and and Jeez. and Sun Ra, and we had a drummer who played with George Clinton and and um, and uh, Tito Puente, and it just evolved. Oh my gosh. We we're getting all of these the, the best musicians in town were like saying, "Let's, I'm interested in this project. This is very cool." And Tallahassee really, really supported and engaged the program. And the, actually, the last show we did before. We shut down. We opened at the Moon, which had like had just done like Rita Coolidge and 
and all these big, you know, that kind of big venue. And it's like, we, we opened for John Sebastian. Oh my God. Which was like, are you seriously? We had this great band of guitar and, and, uh, flute and, um, didgeridoo bass drums. And, um, it, it's amazing. It was amazing. And for me, it was like, it's the most thrilling thing in the world because I, I mean, it's challenging and I never know what's going to happen. And I, I have to figure out what to do instead of the fear of that unknown. It's kind of thrilling. Yes. Like, is it going to fall apart or no, it never falls apart. That's kind of the true spirit of jazz though. Right. Right. Just that improvisation just in, in the second making those choices. We had Bob Malone, who's a keyboard player for John Fogarty. He just sessioned for Ringo Starr. He I knew him. Man. He came out from California to play here. We had a fantastic time. And so what happened then, the video, the uh, recording you have is, I believe, is it the incarceration of the orange bartender? Is that what you have? Um, well, Mark has it and he's in the other room with the door shut, but I'm I think that's going to say yes. And if it's not, we'll do an <laughs> edit in the show notes. <laughs> I think that's what it is. We cut an album with, it was me, Longinu Parsons, who's the guy who played with um, uh, Sun Ra and Archie Shep and, wow. and those musicians and uh, Michael Dakin who's the head of the world music department here and who wrote a, a book on autism and music. Um, oh, very cool. And um, who played also played with Tito Puente and others. And um, they, these are all, they all teach in the university and Brian Hall, who, who uh, has played with a lot of great musicians and who is a great bass player. So it's a smaller combo. It's, it's a combo bass and it's been put out by Tribal Tribal Disorder. It's a Tribal Disorder record, and so we did put out a CD, and we were going to do a release just before, and then we had a, a venue booked, and then the coronavirus came, so oh, the CD never got released. That damn plague just going and ruining everything. I know it's like so so annoying. But there is a video <laughs> being made right now. There's going oh, to wow. be a kind of music video. And it's not of the performance. It's like there's this Ian Weir who's um, teaches documentary film and filmmaking and done music videos. And he teaches at FSU. He's a great lover of the of the Eco Sound Ensemble, and he's volunteered to do a a video with you know a collage of artistic images and everything. And I'm sure it's going to be wild. I'm so excited that you wanted to send us this to include in the podcast it's going to be great well that's why that's why i'm pretty sure it's that and and actually it's going to be the first time that it's been played wow so our season finale really is kind of going out with a bang yeah i mean this could be it's pretty huge let's see so it's incarceration of the orange bartender i love that the title is that is that your brainchild that's incredible yes, that's my poem it's, I love it. You know, I write, and then what I do is I find poems that I feel lend themselves to performance like this. Not every piece I have works. 
with. Sure. So I, I've isolated. I say, okay, we're going to do a show. And this one, our incarceration, the orange bartender has had, a, has worked really well. Um, and that's with, with Longinu, Parsons, trumpet, bass recorder, and flugelhorn. Michael Back in drums and percussion, Brian Hall, the double bass. I'm so excited for this. So that's, it's a cool piece. Yeah. Um, you'll like it. It's fun. It's fun. And um, so, yeah, I'm very interested in the, in, in that the performative nature of poetry. And I, I guess I would like, would rather read with the musicians than read straight out of a book because of this excitement for me. There's a, definitely an energy there that you can't really come by another way. Well, it's new. The thing is, it's so new, and especially if you're working with jazz musicians, and these guys are so good, and they're so... Um, they're improvisational musicians. And they, I, I have to sometimes chase them around or find, mm -hmm. out, find out what they're going to do next. And um, sometimes I... Uh, sometimes I just throw my hands down and go, just go and do whatever you're doing. I, I don't even, you know, I'll be back. <laughs> you know, it's like, you don't, I'm not worried about it. And um, it's fun. That's fun. It, yeah, they, that is fun. And they love it because they don't know what's going to happen. I had Bob Malone, the guy who plays with Fogarty. And he, he says, you know, I, I play all the time, the same stuff all the time. I know what I have to do. I mean, and he's not a great musician, Bob. He's an amazing piano player. It's wild. Um, but he has to stay within a framework. And mm -hmm. he says he loves to perform with me because he just never knows what's going to happen. It's always surprising. Cut loose. Yeah. He cut, and, and he doesn't know what I'm going to do. It's like I found myself singing the, the poem because I hear a melody within the the comp the musicians and it makes me want to sing instead of just read nice so i'll suddenly like you'll see it in orange bartender where i'll start i break into song <laughs> so spontaneous <laughs> it's like i had to sing i had to sing i can't sing well but it's just like that moment that i just wanted to 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 sing it, made up a little song out of the words that I was reading. It's fun. I love that. That is so fun. It's fun. Okay, I'm going to say goodnight. Okay. All right, thanks so much, Michael. Thank this you again, great. really. Thank you. Such a treat. Take care of yourself. Be safe. out of the bottle before I go to bed. Who could tell you better what 
around in a hazmat suit, shoelaces tied together. I walked home from the disposable china factory singing Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands. Fancy that, she said, you've learned to speak in whole sentences most of the time. And she was right, most of the time. She was the smartest one in the family when she wasn't crying about how cruel life is and how none of it ever comes easy. Oh, you're a fine judge of character, I said. But you're stepping on my toes and making my plantar fasciitis bleed. Ease up some and let the good times roll. She didn't. She couldn't. She was a Catholic, and so was her mother. Beer was her divine grace and eternal covenant. So she cried and cried, drank, 
and cried. Not that all Catholics do, but you can imagine. Rubber Jim, Shady Lady, High Buck, Sawbuck, Duckwalk, Calamity Rose. Falling apart all over you. I regret I never became a superstar. I was always too shy for that, suffering from low blue self-esteem or false humility. I'm not certain. I'd lie in bed in the dark any time of the day, tired of the world and Moses. Great things are for great people. I'd moan. Modest contemplation deserves a reward and should always get it. You have to work it. You have to work it. The movers and shakers like to say, you have to work it. Enter the system. Come to a meeting. How exactly do you work it? Work it like you're worth it. Give me my own distillery, I thought. I'll do it myself. Besides, why do I need a middleman? That flower is beautiful. All in itself, I said, and drank myself unconscious. Bourbon, straight out of the bottle, before I go to bed. Who could tell you better what love is really like? The Meat for Tea cast is produced by Elizabeth McDuffie and Meat for Tea, The Valley Review. Mixed by Mark Allen Miller at Sewn Lab, East Hampton, Massachusetts. Visit Meat for Tea at www.meatfortea.com. Please consider going to anchor.fm to make a contribution through our contribution page. You can reach us through meatforteacast at gmail.com or you can leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash meatforteacast. We welcome suggestions for contents for the Meat for Tea cast. If you've attended a Meat for Tea Cirque and want to hear from one of the bands or one of the spoken word contributors, please let us know. All portions are copyright Meat for Tea and their respective holders. Vote for Meat for Tea on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Elizabeth. Meet for Tea on Instagram. 
and on the Meet for Tea and Meet for Tea Cast Facebook pages. Meet for Tea is available everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. <laughs>